2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you, because you believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Morning, guys. How are you doing? Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we lift up your name this morning as we, come, as we come into your word. We just pray that your word speaks, that your word that is truth impacts us and convicts us and glorifies you this morning. Amen. Well, first week of holidays, or second week of holidays for some people, and Scott's away, so... All, everything's, everything's going. We can do anything we want now. Look, Scott's not here. <laughs> if Scott's listening to this in a, be- a week's time, I didn't mean that. Um, <laughs> Second Thessalonians uh, is, a, is an amazing book that talks about, well, really wraps up the series that we've been talking about with Joel uh, in the Day of the Lord. So uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to this, uh, to this series. In Australia, we have many different ways of saying hello, don't we? We have, um, you know, probably the most famous, the most famous one would probably be good day, good day, mate. It's a stereotypical greeting, which I've never really, I don't really use a lot. My favourite, probably something that I've adopted, probably something that is, you know, just happened to be, is how's it going? So, and it's a how's it going is not really a... Um, it's not really something we want an actual real answer to. It's, uh, how's it going? Yeah, good. How, how you going? Yeah, you're not bad. All right? It, there's no real true response. To the point that I think even if we, even if we said, even if someone said something serious and we sort of said, oh, you know, how's it going? Oh, you know, not too good. Oh, yeah, great, cool. No worries. See you later. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it, there's not much comfort. There's not much truth. It's really just casual, good-natured slang, isn't it? But when Paul writes his greeting to the church in Thessalonica, 
It is very different indeed. Let's have a look at at verse 2 in our text again. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. On the surface, it seems like such a great, it's a small, very good, very impactful, but a very short surface greeting. It's a bit more formal than how's it going? But it's, and, and Paul uses this in most of his letters. It's a very typical Pauline type greeting. But that simple short salutation is full of truth and packs a punch with meaning and intent. Paul reminds the church that God has bestowed both grace and peace to them. Grace and peace to you. That's an amazing thought. That he's, he's saying grace to you by, from God. Grace, which is giving the church the opposite of what they deserve. Grace is giving them, at the expense of Christ, God's riches at, at, at Christ's expense. And peace. God is no longer hostile. He's reminding the church in Thessalonica and us that God is no longer hostile towards them. They have peace with God. That is amazing. That God is no longer hostile, that God is, God's wrath no longer rests on, on us, but we have peace with God through Jesus, through the Lord Jesus Christ and from God the Father. The Christian has peace with God all because of Christ. Paul here is providing a real genuine comfort to a church that's going through persecution. It's not just a how's it going, it's an intentional grace and peace to you from God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. This peace that comes from God is for all Christians in the midst of trials and persecutions. And as we're going to read today and as we, and as we read in the scripture, the, Thessalon- the church in Thessalonica has real persecutions, real trials, real troubles, real things. They don't need a Good day, mate. How's it going? They need assurance from God that there is, they have peace with God, that they have that, they, that what is happening, where the, the, the lies that they're hearing, that uh, the rapture's already happened, that it's all over. They need to know that they have peace with God, that they haven't missed the boat this morning. Not this morning, 2,000 years ago, but for us this morning. This first chapter here brings into focus the very pressing and present life that the saints in Thessalonica have and were living, and the struggles that they were experiencing. But it's a time to persevere, Paul encourages them with. It's not just a time to, to stress and, and worry that, uh, that, that God's promises haven't come to pass, but he encourages them, and he boasts about this church among God's other churches. Let's read, uh, let's read a bit, for, uh, read back there. He goes, uh, Paul says, in verse, let's go from verse 3. We ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love you have with one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials that you are enduring. Paul doesn't just um, talk about, um, give praise reports or prayer reports. He boasts about them to other churches. He doesn't boast about their building. He doesn't boast about their coffee. He doesn't boast about their youth programs. He doesn't boast about their light shows and their TVs and their, you know, their everything else. He boasts about their perseverance. He boasts about the, the, the trials. that These guys are going through trials. These guys are going through persecutions. But you know what? They're persevering. He boasts to other churches about them. As funny as it sounds, when we talk about and we compare churches or we compare programs, it's not really what we talk about, is it? We sometimes talk about, oh, you know, they've, they've got... They've got a proper espresso machine. 
or they've got a proper building, or look at these guys, they, they don't have to, like Sicko and his team who do an amazing job, they don't have to get here at 7.30 every morning and every Sunday and set up and pack down and, you know, do that. that you know, that, we, we look at that, but, but Paul goes, no, these, these trials and tribulations and, and testing that the, the Christian goes through, that is worth what he's boasting about. We don't boast about what we can see. Uh, that, that, that is not going to last. We boast about what is eternal. Many, uh, many as you may know, we, we obviously, we, many of you know we moved here because we're here, um, but um, many of you know we moved here last year from Melbourne and uh, um, just moved into our house last year. Uh, and I'm still slowly going on the garden. It's a hard toil. I wouldn't say they're trials and tribulations from God, but they're, they're definitely, the weather isn't helping. Anyway. But uh, as I'm, so as I'm shoveling uh, loam and, and laying my grass, the, the next door's house is still being built in the, uh, and the brickies were there, you know, laying their bricks and, and they're, they're, they're talking away and chatting away and, you know, very nice, like, really tasteful talk that brickies often, often have um, there. And so here's me out the front, you know, doing all this and the brickies are, uh, strike up a conversation with the brickies because we've got a break in the weather and... And uh, as you do with most sort of conversations that start, oh, you know, talk about the weather. Uh, and, uh, and so we're talking about the weather with a brickie and he's going, oh, you guys in Mount Marker must be praying because it's always raining here, you know. Uh, so you must be praying, right? And, and uh, you know, I thought, well, that's, that's an opportunity. You've overheard it um, to, talk about, to talk about God. And I said, well, as a Christian, I must admit, I'm actually praying the opposite because <laughs> I'm... I want to lay my grass, and I don't want to die in the in the flood in my in my backyard. Um, <laughs> so I jokingly said that he goes, "You go to church?" He said, and I said, "Yeah, absolutely, a local one here in Mount Barker." And he goes, "Is the worship good?" And I said, "Yeah, fantastic." And so is the uh, and the preaching of the word is fantastic. <laughs> and I began in my head thinking and comparing our services. To other churches that I had in mind, and I had to stop myself. It's a challenge for us. How do we define a good church? Good is it, is it good worship? Is it is it uh, which I mean that was a Bricky's measure. A good church means you know in his mind probably good, entertaining worship. We might have different things, and we're tempted to sometimes measure or boast about different things. But Paul here gives us the measuring stick. Paul boasts about their perseverance and faith in all their persecutions. Paul tells other churches, but he boasts to other churches, that this church is being persecuted. They are going through trials, but they are persevering. They are enduring. They are pushing through. This, this maybe is a boast that we don't want because it means that we have to endure troubles and trials and persecutions and, 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 and we have things that test our faith. And it's nicer to boast about other things. It's nicer to boast about... And maybe one day we can say, oh, yeah, Siku doesn't have to set up and the team doesn't have to set up. We've got our own place. But, but in the meantime, I'd rather boast about we have a group of believers here who, who are persevering through the, the trials that they're going through, through the tr- struggles that they're going through, the tests of their faith, they're pressing in there. And that's worth boasting about, not things that don't have any eternal value. Paul boasts to other churches because it is an, an encouragement. As he's boasting about the church, to, their, to these other churches, they're encouraged because they're also going through the same thing. We're not the only ones that go through this. Every Christian, it's, it's, the, it's the part and parcel of Christianity, guys, 
we all go through trials, we all go through tribulation because we have these letters to remind us 2,000 years in the future that we're all going to go through these things. It's an encouragement to those, it's an encouragement to us when we read this that this church also was struggling. This church also had trials and tribulations and persecutions. It gives us the same hope and encouragement, doesn't it? You know, we hear so many churches that fail and fall. We hear so many, the big guys that, that have a, a moral fall and, and, and it's always on the news, it's always on, the, they, don't, they don't ever report on the, the, the success of churches. They often f- focus on, the, on the, the, those who were, who've had a fall. And, you know, it serves as a warning to us. Sometimes we need to know that uh, there are certain areas we don't cross and that and that's, uh, helps us to stay focused and, and, and stay faithful to God. But what an encouragement when we hear of a perseverance and of, of the children of God, enduring, standing firm in the faith. We are, it, it shows us that we are not alone. We're not alone in this. There are, there, we have a, our local church, which is our, our church, and there's a few here who can help me with my Greek, all right? But uh, I'm not going to even attempt. But uh, they're, they're, uh, the, we have our local church, but we have a universal church. We have the church of God in Christ who are spiritually with him. We're all together and we're all going through stuff, whether it's the church in Egypt, it's the church in, uh, in Africa, it's the church in, in China, it's the underground church in China, whether it's the church in America, whether it's the church here in Australia, whether it's the, the, the outback church, whether it's the church... Uh, uh, in the small communities in Alice Springs. We're all going through the same thing. We're all joined together, going through perseverance in the faith, going through persecutions in our faith, having trials. So I think that serves as a better thing. Let's be, let's be encouragers, hey. Let's be, let's be a church that encourages each other and says, hey, they're going through a hard time, but you know what, man? They're standing up. They're going through it. They're hitting, they're hitting their mark. They, they struggle sometimes, and we all... We all are gonna not, we're not going to be successful every time because that's not what the measuring stick is. The measuring stick is perseverance. The measuring stick is we, we stayed faithful to God during this time. Paul's attitude here is to the church that, if, that we're, we're to expect these things, trials, persecutions and troubles. The Thessalonians were enduring and that is a boastworthy thing, not only because they're persevering but because the fact that they are persevering is proof that God's judgment is right. That's an interesting uh, scripture that Paul talks about in verse 5. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Their, their endurance is the evidence that their faith is genuine and that they are being saved. Paul is encouraging the believers that their current experiences and trials illustrate the right judgments of God, that he is a just God. God gives his people grace to endure. He gives gives his people grace to fight. And because he grants us this grace, he surely is on our side. And because he is on our side, we are encouraged by this and the trials and tribulations that we endure through those things. These trials and persecutions are not just part of the Christian walk, they are absolutely necessary for the Christian walk because it's by these trials, by these things that we persevere and press in and, 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 and push in further in our relationship with God that we are formed into the image of Christ. And, that's, and these are the works that show our true faith. 
Not when we have the good times and we, we're all going to have... We're going to go, guys, I'm not, this is pretty doom and gloom sometimes. We're gonna, we, 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 have, we live our life. Look, every, everyone in this world, we're going to have good times, we're going to have bad times. That's, that's life in this sinful world. But it's through that when we, when we, when we throw that in at, at the feet of the cross... They're the times that, uh, that, that shape us into the image of Christ and show our faith. Paul Washer says, I will not trade the difficult years for all the prosperity in the world. God knows what each one of us must suffer in order to be conformed to the image of Christ. There's an old uh, Keith Green song. Who knows Keith Green? You know, when I was a new Christian 30 years ago in the 90s, Keith Green was long, long ago before that even, but that was... I got the, uh, he had like the greatest hits, which was like four CDs. Back CDs, kids are these things that they, they were like a disc and you put them in and they always scratched because the player that your mum got you for Christmas was cheap. <laughs> and so it used to skip. Um, <laughs> but no, there's a CD, so I had this CD and one of the great songs, and I'll read the lyrics here, it says, he brought me here where things are clear and trials turn to gold. He shared with me his victory he won in days of old. Oh, Lord, I don't deserve the riches of your word, but you've changed my filthy rags to linen white as snow. So back then, back in the 30 years ago, my only real concerns were where to have supper after youth group, really. There weren't really many concerns. But then, you know, little things started, trials, little trials First very small, testing my faith, testing my perseverance. But I knew even back then that God had me, that he will bring me through these trials and he's the only one who can. Nearly 30 years on now, we've been through many, many more trials, many, many more things that test our faith. There's been times over the last few years where we've made a stand for our faith, where we've, made, we've cost us many close friendships and it means we've lost some of those friendships for good. But God is giving us the grace and strength to persevere. And I now realise more than ever that perseverance, trials and persecutions go hand in hand with our faith. But also those trials that we go through are evidence that God is not only working in our life, but he is glorified in us. That's the, that's the thing. Let's read verse 7. Well, let's read verse 6 because it's part of verse 7. God is just and he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. And give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in a blazing fire with his powerful angels. When the Lord is revealed from heaven in a blazing fire, what a day that will be. The day of the Lord. This is the day of the Lord that Joel was talking about. This is the time. And we know that's true because all the things that Joel said and all the things that the prophets have said throughout history, have come to pass. So this is another. This is the day of the Lord where the, where the Lord returns in a blazing fire. Many of, the, uh, one of our kids' church kids, we, we played a game in kids' church called, um, what was it called? It's <laughs> my example. I don't even remember the name. <laughs> Invasion. The Invasion game. And one of, the, one of the things we had to do was when we yelled fire, they had to, you know, I shouldn't say this to the parents, but we had to pretend that they were on fire. <laughs> when Jesus is revealed from heaven in a blazing fire with all his powerful angels, this is a day to marvel at for sure. 
It is, a nev- it is never the case of if he comes, but when he comes. It could be right now. It could be in another millennia. But he will come, and he will come to judge the wicked, and he will come to save his people. He will come to glorify those who he, who he is, who he, his grace he is persevering. It's his grace that helps us persevere. It's not us. It's not our own strength. It's not our own ability. Look at me. That's why Paul's boasting to, to the church because it's not them. It's not the church in Thessalonica, Thessalonica that is doing this. It's God that is doing this. It's God's judgments. They're right because, look, God is persevering his people. God is keeping the people that he has. He has saved a people. He is saving a people and he will save a people. He saved us from, the, from, the, from, from hell. He is saving us now and he will save us in the future when he completes that. It's an amazing thing that God does. Confusion about the day of the Lord obviously is a, a real reason why the church back then was, was having some struggles and, and Paul wanted to write to the church to, to really clear things up about the day of the Lord, to alleviate that fear and that confusion. In this chapter, Paul makes it very clear that those who have believed, about those who have believed and about those who have not believed. In verse 8, he says, He will punish those who do not know God and not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the same way as our reward is coming in the next life, God's judgment will be poured out on the wicked and on those who reject God. And as we've discussed earlier, just as the trials of this church was experiencing showed that God was just, so are his judgments on the unbeliever. He's a just God. He's a, he's a righteous, holy God. Look at verse 8 again. There's a reason. There is a difference between those who are glorified and those who are judged on that day. There are two people here. Those who are ignorant of God, these people are described in Romans 1, 18 to 32. There are those who do not obey the gospel, those who, are no, who know God. In John, let's, look, let's read John 3.36, if you've got that in your, in your own IVs or on your phones that don't work today in, the, in this area, but that's all right. So let's read John, let's read John, John 3.36. And Jesus is talking here and he says, Whoever believes in the Son of Man has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. These are the people that reject God who willfully reject the gospel. And the reward for our perseverance and our endurance is not in this life, but in the next. But in the next life, there will be God's justice and God's judgment on those who willfully reject the gospel. On the day he will be glorified in us. He will be glorified in us. That, what a day to marvel at. What a day to marvel. I can't... Uh, we, we, when we talk with our kids about that day or the day or heaven, what's heaven going to be like, it's hard to, you know, I think Austin said, well, what if I just, what if I just ruin it all again? Sort of thing. I've always had that as a new Christian. Well, what if I actually accidentally, you know, accidentally make a mistake in heaven and it starts the process all over again? It's not going to be like that. God is going to be glorified in us. It's God's work that fully changes us, that we, in the twinkling of an eye, that we will become like Christ. 
it's it's a it's a day that he will be glorified in us because it's not it's what all sorry it's what all of our pers- perseverance all of our all of the times that we persevere that's what that's why it's worth it guys it's worth it's worth persevering because he will be glorified in us it's all worth it not for an earthly crown we don't we don't endure we don't we're not christians for an earthly crown we don't we don't sacrifice we don't make decisions that that, that we decide to follow Christ instead of the world for, a, for an earthly crown. The earthly crown is out there and that does not last. We, 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 we persevere for Christ, our, our eternal crown, which is Christ. And we will marvel at this. We will all marvel at it in verse 10. Let's read verse 10. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among those who have believed. And this includes you, because you have believed the testimony, the, our testimony of you. We will marvel on that day that God will be glorified. The marvellous thing that cannot be expressed, it can't be expressed by words alone. I don't think we're going to know how much, how amazing that is. I don't think movies can show us with all their CGI. I don't think anything can actually come close to that day, that glorious day. We will just marvel. We will marvel at what God is doing. You know what's marvellous? is the transformation of turning sinners into saints. What a marvellous thing. That he turns us, who are unworthy, who do not deserve salvation, and he turns us into saints for him. He turns us, he, glorif- we are glor- he is glorified in us. What a transformation. I can't ever fathom that right now. Because like all of us, every day I struggle. Every day I, we all go through these times and we all slip. We all fall. But there's going to be a day that he's going to be glorified in us. And he turns us, sinners, daily sinners. Second, we sin every second. Well, you know, second, well, we sin a lot. But he will be glorified in us. What a, what a thing to marvel at, that Christ will be mirrored in us. And as we talked about in the introduction, we have peace with God. We marvel at that now, but the completion of this promise, the fulfilment of this blessed salvation, when we, sinners, undeserving, are turned into holy saints, I don't think there will be words. I think we'll just marvel. The Christian's hope in this world is to be with our Lord. The end is worth marvelling at. This is something that is prophesied by Joel throughout history. This is the completion of salvation. This is the promise that was made in Genesis. You know, this is the absolute God thing. God saves, God sent his son, and God brings it all about. He completes it. What a marvellous thing that God completes the work. We don't complete the work. It's not up to us. It's not, you know, the marks out there with the barcodes. We've We've got to reject that. It's not up to us. God brings judgment on the earth. God brings, God glorifies his saints. And in the end, God is glorified. It's an amazing thing. What a marvellous day that will be. And that's why it's worth persevering. Let's look at verse 11 onwards. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. 
according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a life worth living. Paul regularly and constantly prays for them. That's amazing. Paul, the apostle, regularly and constantly prays for them that they may live lives in accordance with the destiny that they have received. As Christians, we, we, don't, we don't pursue God in us to make us worthy. But because we have received God's grace and mercy, Paul's prayer is that the church in Thessalonica reflects the grace and mercy it has received in the way that they conduct themselves. We must live lives worthy of the gospel. There will be a different end for those who reject Christ and those who persevere in the gospel. But to, even today, we see those two groups. There is a difference now. There's a difference in those who are persevering and there is a difference in those who are, whose God is their stomach, who, who, who live for themselves, who can't wait for the next thing, who, who are living empty lives. Now, I pray that one day this will never be and it will change, but right now, my family is unsaved. Beck's family is unsaved. And no matter how much I tell my mum, who is now 75 years old and who's got ill health, and I, you know, and I've started off 30 years ago lightly, God loves you, mum, you know. Now it's more like, you know, mum, you know, one day you're going to face God's judgment, you know. And, uh, you know, she, <laughs> I'm getting a little bit too probably blunt with her, <laughs> but there's not much time. You know, unfortunately, sadly, when my dad passed 10 years ago, when I asked, when I said that same invitation, that was rejected. And I pray that that won't be for my mum. We've got unsaved loved ones and we need to be in prayer and we need to be a witness in our life because time is short. If, God, if Jesus tarries and we, and we die, then we go to heaven and, and, and those who will wait for judgment but he may come back any time. So we need to live a life worthy of the gospel. There's a definitely difference now. We can see that in those who persevere and those who proclaim a different gospel of themselves. The, the glorification of Christ's name in the Thessalonians occurs when they exalt him as Lord in their daily lives. We exalt Christ not just on our Sunday, not just today, on the Lord's Day in worship, but in our conduct, in our perseverance, in our faith and our godly works every day. That's when we glorify Christ. That's when, we sh- that's when it's shown that his judgments are right. It's in that day to day. When the day of the Lord comes, and it will come, we will all be there. That is, a day- that is an encouragement, isn't it? That we're not going to miss the day. That was, that was why Paul was writing to the church. You're not going to miss the day of the Lord. You're not going to miss out on this. This is a day that all of God's people will marvel at. Just as it was to the church in Thessalonica, today we may be going through testing in our faith, times where we will stand up when it's tough, but there will be a day when we are asked, you know, we ask, you know, why do the wicked prosper? Why do, why does, you know, why do they get away with it? Why did my boss, you know, my colleague who, uh, who's sucking off at work, why did they get promoted? You know, why did they just get the job, you know? We often ask ourselves, why do the wicked prosper? Where it's, you know, it seems that sin is taking over the world. And it is. But this passage reminds us that God is just. And he will keep his people. And, and wickedness will be judged. In the end, God wins. In the end, God wins. God wins now. 
There is victory now, but it's just partially seen, isn't it? It's like looking through a mirror dimly. But in the end, Christ wins. What an encouragement that is. Let's, uh, let's re- end with, I want to read Revelation 22, 1 to 5, with a wonderful passage. Then the angel showed me the river of life, the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There will be no need of the light of a lamp or the light of a sun, for the Lord will give it light, and they will reign forever and ever. What a marvellous end. What a glorious end. What a day to marvel at for sure. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are in control. We thank you that you are the ones that keep us, that as we persevere, it is your grace that does that job. Thank you that your grace sustains us, that not the things of this world, but your word sustains us. Thank you that you have us. I pray that you keep us. I pray that you keep us all, that you help us all to persevere. And we pray for our loved ones. We pray for our family and friends, that you show them your truth, that you show them your Christ, that they are saved too. We thank you in this day. In Jesus' name. Amen.